Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. All right, we are in Luke chapter 9 this morning, if you have your Bibles, and we will be starting in verse um, 18 in our discipleship series this morning, and our, this season, I should say. Uh, we have journeyed through um, the Gospel of Luke. So what we're doing is we're going through the Gospel of Luke, and we're just kind of camping out on some of the key discipleship passages uh, throughout the book and, uh, um, and pressing into them. Where we've been is last week, if you were here, we saw in the beginning of chapter 9, Jesus um, gave power and authority to his disciples. He sent them out to go preach the word, to go minister to people, right? Under the power of God. And, and then <clears throat> they came back and reported that. And then, you know, Jesus, it, the story carries on, right? And the crowd follows him and, and uh, the 5,000 men, which they think is, could be 20,000 people, including women and children, right, into the, uh, into the desert area. And this is where the feeding of the 5,000, but this wasn't some soup kitchen ministry. That's not the point. The point was what we talked about last week. Jesus lessened his disciples to us today. As he turns his disciples, he says, you feed them. You feed them something. And the whole context is, well, how do we do that, right? With just two fish and five loaves, with what I have, how am I supposed to accomplish, God, what you've called me to? That's the point, right, of discipleship, is learning to grow in our dependence, right, on God. And so the story continues on, and this morning we come to a place um, where we're going to see one of the, the key, actually, discipleship um, passages. Uh, oops, let me get my little clicker here. Um, <clears throat> in all of Scripture. And it's this idea of dying to live rather than living to die. Dying to live rather than living to die. The way of the world, everything that is moving in on you, moving in on me is live, live. Take advantage, right? Uh, You can do it. It's very self-oriented, right? And the path of discipleship, the path of following Jesus, the path of abundant life actually is this consistent theme that's from the beginning of the Bible all the way through the Bible. It's, it's communicated in a thousand different ways that we have to become humble before we can grow. We have to grow down before we can grow up. We have to learn to deny ourselves before we can be used by God. First Peter 5 says what? Humble yourself before the mighty heaven of God and he will he will exalt you. He will lift you up in his time. And um, that's just the opposite of what everything in our culture is telling us. And the truth of it is God wants to lift you up. Do you believe that? He loves you so much. He didn't go to the cross to save you, right, and bring you into relationship to leave you wallowing around here and questioning what to do with your life. But the, the, here's the, the tough thing is to get there, though, I must obey his word, which says, deny yourself, pick up your cross daily, and follow me. Wow. How do we do that? The only way that we can learn the power of that is through discipleship. Right? Sitting in a large gathering, a Bible study, we get little pieces, but that's not how we learn. We learn, we grow in the midst of discipleship, which is a small group of women, small group of men, locking arms, encouraging, challenging, keeping each other accountable, pointing toward how can we better follow Jesus and obey his word. 
and this is when the Great Commission, Jesus says, go make disciples, right? Is um, <clears throat> dive in and learn how to do this. And it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. This is deep water. All through the scripture, we, if you've been listening to DAB, we're with Moses now, right? And going through the book of Leviticus, kind of tough stuff. But look at Moses' life. What did God have to do to use Moses? He had to take him to the wilderness. He was at the height of power in Egypt, right? God had to do what? Had to bring him 40 years of quiet, nothing, wilderness, to prepare his heart for what? For God to exalt him to be um, Israel's deliverer. And folks, this is the case with Abraham. This is the case with every single person that God uses. The question is, are we going to learn that discipleship? The most important principle in the spiritual life is learning to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, identify with Jesus, trust God with our agenda, and follow him. Right? And follow him. So, um, just a, a couple other things before we get into uh, the passage this morning. But... Um, I think this is honestly one of the biggest issues that we're dealing with, we're seeing in our country today um, with what's happening, especially this last year, and we're seeing in the church and how Christians are responding. And uh, what we see is this fleshing out of many things, but one of the things we see fleshing out is the absolute, um, uh, how do I want to word it, Um, bondage to independence, and the isolation, the lie that says that we can actually follow Jesus and live the abundant life alone without discipleship, without being a part of a church, is being exposed. It's not possible. It never was God's intent. Right? And um, we, we see this just happening and God's revealing it in, in a lot of different ways and, and it's this really cracking at because remember, our culture, of all the cultures in the world, we press an independent spirit, right? Uh, again, we've talked about it before. Even this valley right here, right? It was founded with independence at this end. Glenwood was defiance, original names of the original founding cities. That's defined our valley more than you would ever, ever realize. The exaltation of what man can do, right? The success of the, in the world's eyes, what man can build as far as utopia, Right? independent living. And how that creeps into the church throughout all America is, is a side of independence, that I can do it without God, that I don't need a discipleship group. I don't need to be in intimate fellowship with others holding me accountable, that I can do this on my own. I can I listen to a little podcast, come to church when I want, do whatever it is, and somehow think that I can still follow Jesus and grow in my affection for, for him in, in the context of that. And this is being exposed right now in, in huge ways. Right, in our culture, right, with, within the church. And how this is fleshing out, right, is where we're at right now, just to define some of our culture, especially the church uh, in all this, is what I define it as a lot of folks are, what we're seeing bubble up, a lot of what we're hearing about, right, is the, is the de-churched people. So people who are criticizing their church, criticizing spiritual leaders, criticizing, you know, what's going on, and all of that is just used to harden people's hearts, keep them more independent, keep them more isolated from fellowship. Right? And there's just more whining, complaining, and grumbling, and everything. It's all about the blame-shame game is blaming the church, blaming my spiritual leaders uh, for, for life and, and everything. And boy, and the, even the secular media, and yes, here it is, is that spiritual leaders will let us down. They will. Churches are going to let you down. There's not perfect leaders, and there's not perfect churches. But there is no way for us to be the people of God outside of being committed to a church, to a body of believers. 
And so I just say those watching online and, and those all here this morning is, is that whether it's crossroads, we hope it's crossroads, right, where you plug in, where you want to find a family. But I say with all that's in me is move out of isolation. Lay the grumbling, lay the gossip, lay the problem, lay down the complaining. It will get you nowhere except a hard heart, an isolated heart from the people of God. It will not do you any good. It will not do the church any good. This is the bride of Christ with all of, with all of, our, all of our issues, right? Every one of us, right? We're sinners. We need the grace of God saved by him to journey and to work together towards being a place of grace, right? To grow in the affection of Jesus, of who he is. But there is way too much grumbling, way too much uh, across our nation just criticizing of the church, Right end of God's people, and yes, there is failures. Yes, there's some terrible things. Yes, there's some um, not perfect. There's not a perfect church. But you know, to follow Jesus, he says, we must be part of his body. We need each other. And part of what Jesus says here is to learn to truly deny myself, pick up my cross and follow him. It begins with my willingness to come to a place that says, you know, I can't do this. Steve Woodrow cannot be who God wants him to be without you. I can't. I can't do it. I need you. I need your prayers. I need your fellowship. I need us to grow together. I need us to encourage each other. Right? And vice versa, you need. We need each other. Is this lie that this, I'll just take it when I can get it or whatever it is, is, is you know what? You're going to keep getting. I'm going to keep. We will keep getting what we're getting which is far from the promises of God, what he offers, which is this abundant life and this blessing, right? Does that make sense, gang? And folks, I very rarely talk to people who have absolutely no church background. That's growing, for sure. I'd much rather talk to a person that has no concept of church and talk to them about Jesus and the glories of his church and the greatness of community of Christians than someone who's de-churched, right, who has had church background and who has not stepping back into church because they had a bad experience. And I say with all with it's in me, to those online again and those here, do not let your experience with a spiritual leader or with a church stop you cold from pursuing God. You can't stand before God. No one's going to stand before but God. You know, they messed, that was terrible here or that. That won't work. We can't blame anybody else. And the only context for our growth, right, is to move right into uh, being the body and asking God and laying down, our, laying down our, our issues, have discussion, but embrace grace, right, for each other. And this is part of this discipleship call to deny self, right? Pick my cross, follow him. God, I would do things different. We all would, right? But you know what? I, I'm going to lay down, deny myself, and I'm going to come, I'm going to learn, I'm going to have you teach me and show me that I can bring my viewpoint into this place. I'm going to be a source of unity. I'm going to be a source of expectation and faith in this place. I'm not going to be a gossiping voice. I'm not going to get caught up in all the junk going on around our country, right, that is minimizing and criticizing the church and what's happening in, in, among God's people, right? I'm going to go after you, God, an affection for you, right? And Jesus is, is asking, he's, he's bidding his people right, to come and be his church, be his people. And it's in the midst of that that his presence that he desires and he will come and, and do great and awesome things, right? And what this nation needs where we are right now more than anything 
more than legislating this or that. What we need more than anything is the church to be the church. For the church, again, to be consumed with affection for Jesus, passion for him, right? So with that said, let me just um, dive in those scriptures for us this morning. And um, starting verse 18, Luke um, chapter 9. Now it happened that as he, Jesus, was praying alone, there it is again, Jesus modeling for us time with the Father, prayer life being foundational to everything. The disciples were with him, and he asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist. But others said, Elijah. Others said, one of the prophets of old is risen. Then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, the Christ of God, the Messiah. I um, just want to stop there. I think I'm going to, rather than read it straight through, um, let me just move forward here. Um, Folks, I, I think what hit me when I've been looking at this this week is those two questions of Jesus. Who do the people say I am? And you know what? They cannot answer that question unless they're talking to people about Jesus. Now I ask you, who does Aspen, who who does the Aspen community, who do they say Jesus is? What is the Aspen community, what are they talking about Jesus? What is the community we live in, what do they think about Jesus? Do you know? Do I know? The, the, whole, the only way is if I'm engaging them and if I'm talking about Jesus. And folks, this is something that has to be, and, and, and again, back to discipleship, the only way we'll do this well is in the context of discipleship where I'm in with a group of guys and, and the different groups I'm in is we always part of our encouragement for each other is who have you had a chance to talk to Jesus this week? And is there somebody you really want to talk to about Jesus? We pray. Let's, let's pray. God, provide opportunity for that. But here's what's happened. If we try to go out and just, oh, the pastor said I'm supposed to talk to people about Jesus. I need to go out and, and do it. It usually doesn't go well. But in the context of praying, in the context of encouragement, right, from others in a small group who are, who are doing it themselves, right, God moves, opens up doors. And the only way, when, when, when he asks, and who do you say I am? You know, these two go together. And the question is, which one is impacting you more? Is it our community that doesn't want to talk about Jesus? In our community, that might be the hardest place on earth to talk about Jesus because nobody needs Jesus. We're the one percenters. We've got utopia here. At least we think. What is impacting you? Impacting me more? Is it the culture we live in? Because, well, nobody wants to talk about Jesus, so you don't talk about Jesus? And if I don't talk about Jesus, what does it do to the affection in my heart for the love of God? What happens? I'm going one way or the other on this thing. Or is there a sense of my growing affection? Lord Jesus, is, remember Jesus says it will be streams. What the abundant life he promised was this, this experience of streams of living water, joy, the fruit of the Spirit. And, and part of that is just naturally, if my affection, if the treasure of my heart is Jesus, Guess what? It's just going to come out. It's going to be natural. It's just going to be natural. Right? 
And folks, let me tell you, when you bring the name up Jesus, I don't have to tell you. There's power in the name. There's power in that name above other names. You can bring up Buddha. You can bring up, you know, Muhammad. You can bring up, just go down the list, right? You can talk about Hinduism. You can talk about all, you can talk about anything. You bring up the name of Jesus anywhere in our community. And I'm telling you what, the atmosphere changes, right? There's a reality of the spiritual realm that's there. And folks, the only way, the only way for things to change is if God's people will start talking about their Savior. That's it. And encouraging each other in the midst of discipleship, who are you talking to about Jesus? The only way we're going to be able to answer these questions are if we are engaged in our community with all people around us, and I have to wrestle in my soul. And this is, again, the context of discipleship, is, is challenging each other. Some of the groups I'm in, some of the questions that we ask, how's your heart? Let's get honest. How's your affection for Jesus? And what's the proof in your life that your affection for Jesus, your love, that he is truly your treasure, how does that flesh out in the midst of your conversations and the time that you spend out there in the community? Right? Again, I'm going to talk about what I love. I'm going to talk about what I'm passionate about. So, look at this. Uh, This is an A.W. Tozier quote. I'm a big Tozier fan. If you... uh, If you want some good reading, read anything he's written. He was a prophet before his time. He says this, to know the truth is the greatest privilege any man can enjoy in this life as truth itself is without doubt the richest treasure anyone can possess. Wow. That takes some time. We don't have time to just really break that down and really think about it like we need to, right? Do you believe that? Because I want to say something profoundly to you is that I think we all struggle with this simply because we live in a culture, we live in a nation now for decades that says there is no absolute truth. Your truth is your truth, my truth is my truth. And we've taught our children this relatively. And now we're in the mix of total confusion as a nation. Total confusion. Even denying science over and over again. All in the name of science, we're, de- de- we're denying the very facts on the table We are radically confused people. You chuck truth and Romans 1 says that God hands you over and he means a whole nation over to depraved mind. And you cannot have life and this is the glory of the gospel of what what God has done. Jesus came to say, I am the way, I am the truth. It's a person that we can know to possess the truth of God. And folks, what, what is your life without truth? And this is what I always do. If I engage people with all the big cultural things going on right now that we're trying to redefine family, redefine everything in our country, I just get in and try to ask people, hey, what's the end game? What's your hope? Because you see, we're cramming this stuff, this vision, this equal, all these things down uh, our whole nation's throats, our children's throats, cramming it down their throats. Tell me something. What's the vision? What do you hope is going to come out of this? What kind of nation and culture and family and relational context do you think this is going to lead us towards? And by the way, do you have any culture anywhere in the history of the world that's gone that route and it's ended well? Every single time it's ended in utter anarchy and decay. Right, and the scripture says that, right? When everybody does right in their own eyes, when truth is set aside, that nation, that community is on a path of destruction quickly. And what we need is we need prophets. We need, we need evangelists. We need those with a, a, a light of Jesus, not, not like, you know, condemner, but those who step in and say, look, 
There's a better way. God has something better. There is a way out of the darkness and, and to help people see the darkness, that, that path, you continue down that path, it has nothing good down at the end of that path. Nothing. And I could argue again from science, biologically, physiologically, emotionally, I'll go down the line. There's nothing good down there. And folks, the only way we can truly have that good, healthy discussion is if my affection is rooted, I clearly understand the truth. The truth is Jesus. He's my treasure and he leads me into the paths of righteousness. Right? For his name's sake. Right? And so, this is right out of the chute. Jesus asks these two big questions. Who do the people say? Who does the city say that I am? Who do you say I am? Have we done our work there, gang? Where are we at on that? On that issue? And then he... uh, moves on verse 21 he says he strictly charged and he commanded them to tell this to no one saying that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised so I just want to to just sink us into the radical nature of of this how it landed on those disciples because for we've watered it down we've had so many years of filter of just kind of we've heard that before and we have the end of the story we know what jesus did he went to the cross and he died and he was raised again right but but you have to understand that for the for those listening to this this is a, a shattering of of like what are you talking about jesus you're the messiah you're, the, you're our deliverer. You're going to come and wipe Rome out. You're going to make things all right here. You're going to bring in, usher into the, to, uh, uh, to the nation. You're going to deliver Israel. This is, you're going to bring in the, the right political party here. And Jesus says, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going on a different path. I'm growing down. I'm, I'm sacrificing to the will of the Father. Matter of fact, I'm denying myself completely. And guess what? I'm God. And the only way to life, the only way to radically change and save this fallen world is to take this path. The only way to have fellowship with God is to take the same path he took, right? And so he's, he's giving this radical, you know, thing here. And um, boy, um, Brian and I were talking, you know, the other, if you go and read Matthew's account of this, you know, Paul, uh, Peter, excuse me, the leader, he jumps up, God, Lord, we'll never let that happen. And, and I can totally relate to that. You know, he's ready to fight. We're never going to let such a thing happen. And what does Jesus do? He turns to Peter and says, what? Satan, get behind me. Whoa. And then he says, you know, you, you're consumed with the things of man, not the things of God. And right there again illustrates this, this journey of deny. As we're going to read here in just a second, is that we must to deny ourselves and understand what it is to pick up our cross daily and follow him, right? And so um, I just want to, drill in here discipleship is learning to worship to think and to work I don't have time to break this down hope you'll take it and think about it um, if the truth part of worship if, if I have that wrong if, if what I worship and the bottom line is guess what everybody's worshiping something everybody how they think and how they work and go through life is dictated by what they worship now, they might not, even an atheist is not going to say, well, I worship something, but an atheist worships something. What does the atheist worship? The epitome of arrogance. They worship self. There is no God. It's up to us. It's the epitome of arrogance. 
That's what they worship. That's their treasure. That's what sets the tone for everything. That impacts how they think, and that impacts how they work, right? And um, I think what, what Jesus is saying here is this whole idea of dying to live rather than living to die. In other words, for me to really live, for us to live, we must understand what it is to die, what it is to surrender, what it is to give up things, to deny myself. And folks, this isn't a, a, a oh no, it's no. As we're going to see here in just a minute, he promises abundance. The question is, are we going to take him at his word? Or are we going to keep striving, right, and, and, and reversing this? When folks, that order is set in our life, man, whew, God moves. When worship when I clearly understand the truth in my life, it impacts how I think. And folks, we're not a people who think anymore. We're a people who click on to a little social media or a little news feed and we just get sucked into our bias one way or another. We don't know how to think anymore. We don't take the time to read and to really use our brain. Here again, guess what? If, you, if we're out, outside of the context of discipleship, again, coming together... In a small group of, of people, like we see in Jesus and the disciples, challenging each other's thinking, it happens in community. If I just individually think I can go and think and have my own thinking world without engaging deeply thought with others, guess what? I'm going to be quickly down, led astray, down wrong thinking, wrong theology. It's to be, Scripture over and over uses the plural, it is to be a process of thinking through things, praying through things, with each other in a deep personal right um, engagement. And then that leads to my work. And work here, this just goes all the way back to the garden. We're creating the image of God. And he created Adam and, and Eve and he, in his image. And these were the three things basically that he, he, he gave. Right, Thinking sets us apart. Mind, emotion, will, all those things. But remember what God said with Adam, it first began with worship. And what happened at the fall? Everything got reversed, right? The enemy came and Adam and Eve fell. They put self ahead of God when it came to worship. And what happened to their thought process after that? Now the self and the flesh took over. And every one of us is born with that tendency to do our own thing, to be selfish. Nobody has to teach anybody here how to be selfish. No parent has to teach their child how to be selfish. Guess what? Unfortunately, it's built in. All the way back to the garden. And, and it affects our thing. And then what happened to Adam from the garden on? What happened to work? Now it's toil. It's toil. Because we did not have our worship set on the truth. And folks, again, I just, there's so much here. I just give it to you to think about right now. But if you're striving in work right now, it's a worship problem. It's not a work problem. If you've got work issues... If you're not satisfied, if things aren't going well, if you're unclear about your vocation, if you're unclear about your direction, if you're unclear how God's gifted you and where you want to go in life, it's a worship problem ultimately. It's a problem of not bringing your work and surrendering it to God and having God speak to you and prepare you for what he has for you. Does that make sense? Um, and that has to be fleshed out again in discipleship, ultimately, right, with, with all of us. Let me read on. Verse 23, and he said to them, Jesus said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Listen to these words. 
For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself, his soul? We should shout that across our community. What does it profit you if you have utopia, if you have Aspen and everything Aspen has to offer, but you forfeited your soul? What good is that? What good is this life going to do you for eternity? Right? And Jesus has the answer. He's come to me. I have life for you, for your soul, right? For your heart. For whoever's ashamed of me, Jesus says, in my words of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory, the glory of the Father and his holy angels. Wow, you know what? Jesus never messes around. I, I, I will never soft sell something to you simply because here's why. Jesus never soft selled anything to anybody. He never was worried about somebody's feelings when he spoke. He was worried about their soul and their heart and whether someone would think and truly seek God and the truth of God and be willing to come and surrender their heart before God. But we live in a very therapeutic, very touchy-feely, shame-blame culture, right? That look at what's going on. We can't even talk to you. We can't even speak the truth in love any longer, right? Without shaming, without canceling, without all this stuff. That's not, no one will ever hear from God. No one will ever come to Jesus unless they take the full brunt of God's truth and are able to say in my own soul, bring my soul and my issues right to the feet of Jesus. And trust him, right? And, and, and trust him. And Jesus says about as clear as he can. Those are some strong words, right? If you're ashamed of me. And so folks, let me just, for all of us, let me just get this. If, if I'm not talking about Jesus in Aspen, Colorado, but I call him my Savior and Lord, what is that saying? Am I ashamed of him? I have to wrestle with that. If I'm not talking about my Savior, what does that say about how I feel about my Savior? This is the wake-up call. Am I ashamed? Am I ashamed to speak of his name? Ah, what does he say? And so I, 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 I'm right here. I'm, I'm speaking myself here, right, on this thing. Lord, you're my Lord. May I never be ashamed. And we can relate to Peter here, can't we, in his denial? He was ashamed of Jesus three times, and it cut him to the heart. And that was the downward, repentant, surrendering thing that Peter needed was just to be brought low, to do something he thought he would never do, which was be ashamed of his Savior because he promised, right? What did Jesus say, right? I mean, so folks, as a church, let me just tell you something. Again, this isn't about, oh, I need to go out because pastor told me to go share Jesus. No, 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 no. We gotta take time. I first want to ask you, are you in discipleship? Who are the people you're locking arms? Men, who are you locking arms with? Ladies, who are you locking arms with? Who that you're coming together and you're challenging each other to follow Jesus? It's not a, it's not a marriage study. It's not a, 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 this study or that study or a, you know, a finance study, whatever. It, it's, it's you coming together to learn how to be disciples and follow Jesus. And you're holding each other accountable to what Jesus says. And you're praying for each other and expecting awesome things. You're doing what Jesus did with the disciples. This is the only context for radical change in the body of Christ. And I could give story and testimony, uh, 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 you know, and um, even the first service, I mentioned just one of the groups I'm in right now, and it's just laughable, is that when we have a problem, one of us brings something we're struggling with, or, you know, whatever it is, is that it all rose, come back to this issue of, am I surrendered? Dang, here I am again. 
I need to surrender this to the Lord. I need to deny myself and listen to the Lord to bring me right truth in the midst of, of this whole thing, right? So um, here's, here's the last one. Discipleship, folks, is learning to die to live, not living to die. It's a whole radical reversal of what we know, of what the world tells us. It's radical. And when Jesus said to the disciples, and he, he said, guys, if you, if you want to come after me, you must learn to deny yourself and pick up your cross daily and follow me. We've watered that. You've heard it a thousand times if you've been in church. We have so put that through the American filter of just kind of watered it down. Uh, let me give you exactly how that landed with the disciples and how it should land with us. Is when he says you must pick up your cross daily and follow me, is they clearly understood what he was saying. Because they lived in a culture where every day almost they saw somebody crucified to death by the Romans. So they clearly understood what Jesus was saying to them. If you're going to follow me, you must be willing to come and die. And die. To learn how to follow me means deny myself, but it means a denial of my entire being and to the point of, am I willing to pick up my cross and identify with Jesus, not be ashamed of him, but identify with him and his purposes and be willing to, to deny myself in any situation, even leading up to laying my life down for him if he calls me to that. And folks, nobody just says, oh, I'd do that. Man, like even the disciples, they learned that. They didn't give their life for Jesus and martyrdom, just like, boom. It was a process of discipleship where they learned their affection of Jesus. He became more of their treasure and they saw and they experienced the kingdom of God, right? And, and the blessing in their life. It's a process. And, and I ask you again, where is that process happening in your life? Are you in discipleship where there is a growing sense of the affection of Jesus and you're seeing and praying with others to grow and to see more of the power of God in your life? And the testimonies and the abundance. And is there a hunger of, because let me tell you, once you get a taste of this, I just want more. I want more. I want more of that. I want more of that. And, and, and as one of the folks shared at the first service, it's like, you know, ski day is not the same day. Powder day is not the same day. Is God's churning something inside me? You know, it, it, the things that satisfied me, you know, no longer are satisfied. I want more. And that, folks, is this downward journey of repentance, of, of denial, of, of coming and, and, and bearing our cross before the Lord. It is not a depressive thing. It is the beginning of Jesus on the other side of that, wooing you to himself. Come. Come with me. Learn to deny yourself. Learn to take up the cross daily. Learn to come and follow me. I'm going to give you abundant life. I'm going to give it to you. And uh, this last verse, 27, um, I've, I've, this week I, I've seen it in a whole different light. And he says, but I tell you the truth, there are some standing here who will not taste death, they will not die, until they see the kingdom of God. Now I don't have time to get into all the theology, but the next section, I don't have time, wish I did, to get into the transfiguration. Wow, just read that, it's awesome, it's just wild. What, what happens with Peter, James, and John get, go to the top of the mountain and Jesus transfigures in his glory. Moses, lies, you show up and there's so much theology, so much incredible and some people think that he was talking about the, the Peter, James, and John would get to see this glory. But, but you, as you look at it, and that yes, that's part of it. But the bottom line is, when he says, some here will not die until they see the kingdom, 
is we see all through the scripture is that what is seeing the kingdom? Seeing the kingdom, they'd already had a little taste of it. Seeing the kingdom is heaven on earth. It's what we're to pray in the Lord's Prayer. Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, it's this movement, right, of, uh, of seeing the, the will of God, the rule of God take hold. Darkness be defeated in this world. Um, people be healed. People be saved. People, right, be radically changed. The power of God evident, right, among us. We see the kingdom, the rule of God crashing in and revealing itself in the midst of the rule of man in this fallen world. That's seeing the kingdom of God. And so he talked about if you see demons cast out, if you see somebody radically healed, if you see somebody radically saved, if you see a radical changed life, I could go on and on and on. That you, you're seeing the kingdom. Yeah. Right? And I could go on and on on that theology. I just encourage you to go through and do a study through the Gospels on the kingdom of God. And so I, I, what hit me here was, wow, this is, this is an offer to us. And so I'll throw it this way to you. <clears throat> What's on your bucket list? What's on your bucket list? For me, the Lord is radically challenging my bucket list. And this week in a whole new way, he shifted something and, and after a while, I was just like, Lord, I have nothing on my bucket list because this. I want to see the kingdom of God before I die. If you know Jesus, you're going to see it because as we just read, he's going to return in his glory with all the angels to this earth one day. He's going to usher in his kingdom perfectly. The first time he came, he is what inaugurated. He's brought the kingdom that is to be nurtured by his church now around the world. And we're to go after it. We're to pray it. We're to, to bring light into darkness. Right? But wow. For me, it's just this like, Lord, what else would I put in my bucket? I have some things. But Lord, I, I want to see your kingdom. I want to see people saved. I want to see people radically delivered. I want to see depression, depression wiped out. I want to see the lame healed. Lord, I want, to, I want to see churches set on fire. God, I want to see people passionate about the love of God that worship just takes off and the rafters, as the book of Acts, are shaking this place. I want to see the kingdom of God. I, I want to see him presently at work while I'm living. Right? And, and folks, th- this idea of life dying to live is the only way we're going to see the kingdom is what we just read is we've got to learn to deny ourselves, pick up our cross daily, learn to die so we might live. It's a laying down of my bucket list. It's a laying down of these things. Lord, I, I just want to see your kingdom. I, I want the goodness that's going to be for all eternity. I want to see it. That's what I want is the kingdom now. Be a part of that, God. Right? What about your bucket list? And see, it really comes down to, to, to really rest where the rubber meets the road, isn't it? Is what's in my bucket list? And do I think those things are ultimately at the end of my life? Am I willing to look back and go, yeah, check, check, did all these bucket list things? Is that worth dying for? Is anything in your bucket list that's worth dying for? And what I'd advocate to you, there's only one thing worth dying for, and his name's Jesus and his kingdom. There's nothing more glorious. There's nothing else that offers a solution to this world. There's nothing else that shows the love for your soul and my soul. There's no better news in all the universe than Jesus and the gospel and the glory of his gospel. And so church, why are we messing around, as C.S. Lewis says, with some ugly mud pies here and, 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 and consuming ourselves with our bucklets when, when, when there's a whole avenue of adventure and glorious life that God desires to bring us 
as he ushers his kingdom through us and through his church. Right? Does that make sense, gang? And you know, again, here's the, here's the issue. We can talk about it, agree to it, but it's still kind of confusing. It's hard to like, what does that mean to see the kingdom? And we can talk about it, but it's a process of discipleship. It's a process of, again, coming together in a group of people so that I'm held accountable by somebody of my bucket list. Am I living for that? Or what, what, what evidence in my life if, 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 is my bucket list changing? Who knows you that well? Matter of fact, that's a great question for all of us. Who knows your bucket list? Who's holding you accountable to your bucket list? Who's holding you accountable to how you live? See, we're so consumed today, aren't we, by our feelings and, and this affirms me and this doesn't affirm me. I mean, oh, whiny. Oh, we need to get rid of the whininess. It's not going to get you anywhere. I just want to say this to you online everything. It's not going to, grumbling, complaining, whining about, needing your uh, emotions affirmed, it will get you nowhere. It's going to feed you into the victim mentality that this culture in us is keeping people dead. Living a life without any vibrancy, without any breakthrough, it's only when we bring it and lay it at Jesus' feet. Jesus, come. Come, bring life. And trust him in that. And have other people that you invite in, right, to, to make that journey, right, with us. Does that make sense, gang, this morning for us? And folks, if, if you're here, if you're watching online, if you're, or you're here this morning and you're, maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe you're still hung up back on, I don't know about truth. I just don't know about that. I challenge you, I, I plead with you. I plead with you to take fresh new look at who Jesus is. I plead you to run into his arms, run towards him. Right, lock up with, with, with somebody in the body that can talk to you about Jesus and we've got to get honest with what's really going on inside our heart if there's going to be breakthrough, right? And um, I, uh, man, I don't know about you, but I, I, again, I need you and you need me, we need each other. And you know what? The reality is if we continue this individual process, you know what? We're going to get nothing different than the world around us. Nothing. All along, heaven and God is up there just longing to pour out, and pour out his goodness on us for those that will seek it, right? And I, I just, I want in that bucket one thing. God, I want to see your kingdom. Take, take, Lord, take me. What do you got to do, you know? And, and I, I can just tell you, again, I don't have time to give you testimony on my own life, but there's been no breakthrough in my life outside of a denial. There's been no breakthrough, no real growth in my life, and I would say this for anybody's life, without a wilderness, without a, a repentance, without a brokenness before God to prepare me, right? And, and nobody, whether Moses, whether it's Peter, nobody in Scripture had to journey towards, toward, you know, towards being full up with God that didn't first have to be taken to a wilderness, a place of brokenness, a place of really denial. Hey, do I really want to take up my cross and follow you, Jesus, right? And again, the context is with one another. And so I I just, I I hope that, um, man, we can help each other, right, on this journey. So Steve, if you just play for us and um, let's just take some time before we come. Brian's gonna lead us in communion this morning. And... um, Man, I don't know, maybe you're sitting there and, and uh, let's just hear. Let's hear from a couple of, of you. Um, maybe you have something to share this morning. Just uh, could be a little testimony. Could just be an encouraging word. It's called a prophetic word. Maybe something from, 
from God you feel like God wants to encourage us with this morning? Um, yeah. Anybody have a thought this morning? Yeah, Joy, share with us. Is it on? Yeah. yeah. Um, let's see, how do I start this? About two months ago, I ended up with COVID. And uh, I thought it was no big deal. Got in the hospital. They sent me home with oxygen. And they said, get over it. And I got home. And about three days later, I got sicker and sicker and sicker. And um, I knew the people in this church were praying for me. I could feel myself being lifted up. There was everybody, I mean, praying for me to get better. And um, I laid there. And I was, two of the things I've suffered with all my life are anxiety and stress and, and worry and fear, fear. And um, I've always had this fear of, well, what if I'm not good enough? You know, what if that, if God comes and yeah. takes everybody and leaves me home, I'm just going to be left, you know? Am I doing enough? Am I, I always had those fears. And laying there in my bed, sick, I, I knew... I knew I was dying. I knew I was very sick. My lips were blue. I was just not doing well. And I remember being so fearful, so fearful of, I don't know what for sure, whether I was fearful of death, whether I feel fearful that God wasn't going to come, or what was going on. But I remember, um, I remember... Satan's presence being all around me his his demons were all around me they were all in my room and they were laughing at me and scoffing at me and telling me your God doesn't exist your God's not answering your prayers your God's not coming just give in lay down here and die you know and I just cried and cried and I remember I couldn't get out of my bed because I was just too weak. But I remember laying there and closing my eyes and just finally, as loudly as I could, just calling out for God. God, please take Satan out of the room. Get Satan behind me. I know this is not of you. I know this is not you. I know you love me. I know that I love you. And... I just pray, God, that if it's my time to go, that I get to go home today. And I was ready, and I was so, like you said, so excited about that. That's my bucket list to do. Is I was going to get to go home and and see finally, and I was going to get to see. But um, about that time, the as I prayed for the darkness to leave my room and the enemy to leave me alone, it just, it just sucked out of the room like a fan just came in and sucked it out and Satan or I mean and Jesus I don't know I don't I never saw a figure or anything but Jesus the presence of God was in my room so powerful that every pain in my body that I was feeling the heaviness in my chest everything was lifted as if I was being lifted up and arms just these huge huge warm arms around me and the 
peace of God was, I don't, I can't even explain it. It was so powerful. I've never had it, not when I was saved, not when my dad was sick and dying, getting a heart transplant. I thought for sure God was in the room then, but this was nothing like this. God came to me in a strong, strong way. And I think it was because I humbled myself and I and I denied the enemy. Yeah, amen. And I'm just saying, you know, that Absolutely. that can happen yeah. for just anybody Absolutely. at any time. It doesn't have to be when you're sick or any time. If you're struggling with a, a problem, with finances, with whatever, if you'll humble yourself and, and just cry out, he will, he'll come. And he comes in a big yeah. way. Joy, thank you for sharing that testimony. That is awesome. Man. And part of that victory, folks, is, is your prayers, right? As a church, laboring in prayer, right? We need each other. The power of prayer is huge. And maybe you're out there this morning and you, you need God to break in. You need God to break through. Just come. Let Joy pray for you, right? Let, let any of us pray for you, right? Seek Him. He desires to be found. He'll, he'll come in a big way. Brian, come lead us. Yeah, as we come to his table this morning, um, one of the things the Lord said to his disciples is do this in remembrance of me, right? And um, I love that he, he always said, hey, let people know the kingdom, the kingdom is near you now. And I, I just, that, that, that just rings out when you give that testimony. The kingdom is near you now. And so as we come to the table this morning, Let's, let's remember our Lord and, and, and what He did, and as He was, and he, and as, he as He was saying that to His disciples, it was He wasn't just speaking about, you know, the work He did on the cross, but the, the life that He lived with them, that that He walked with the keys of the kingdom. And Stephen and I talked about Matthew 16, which I, I just read to my boys this morning on the way up as we were coming up to church this morning, and, and I love how the Lord, how the Spirit does that. And when Steve, it gives the account of Matthew, of Steve's message in Luke this morning, and. And he said to he said to Peter, "Who do you say that I am?" Peter said, "You're the Son of Man." And, and, and Jesus said, "Blessed are you, Simon, for for man did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven revealed this to you. And you will be given the keys to the kingdom." And so, as we come this morning, just remember, I, Steve mentioned the transfiguration. It just pops out to me what what a what a moment us thinking about the transfiguration of the church, the glory of God upon his church as the keys of the kingdom are given to us and jesus says remember me because I, I i died and, and rose from the grave and went went to heaven so i could pour out my spirit so that you could walk in this with the keys of the kingdom to, to put on display and to, to reveal my glory to, to the rest of the world and we get to remember that when we come to this table this morning this is a celebration of what the lord has done amen and so as we do that this morning i just encourage you come in let's do this all together so if you if you're here with a family or you're here with friends or whatever just you know somebody come up and grab enough for your family or friends around you and take it back to your seat and i'm just going to pray and um and, and let's do this all together this morning so go ahead and come forward and uh and, and grab and grab the uh communion
Lord, we we rejoice in you, Lord God. We just as we take this bread, Lord, um, Lord, your body that was broken hung on the cross for, for us, Lord God, and, and, and the glory, Lord God, of, of our risen Lord. Lord, as we partake in this this morning, God, we remember you, Lord Jesus. We remember what you've done for us, that, that we would be free, that we would be a light to this world, Lord God, that we would walk with the, the keys of the kingdom. Lord, to bring to bring love, your love, into this, into this dark world, into this lost world, to this lost town. So, Lord, let us rejoice in that today, Lord God, that you've chosen us, that we can remember you, Lord God, not only from them, but today and, and in the future, Lord God, of what you're doing in our lives. And, Lord, we rejoice in your blood that was poured out and we, as we... T- Lord, as we drink of this, the, the cup of the new covenant, Lord God, of, of the freedom, Lord, that you, you came to set the captives free, Lord. We rejoice in you, Lord God, and the power and authority that you pour out upon us, your body, in Jesus' name. Amen, church. Amen. Hey, if you would like prayer um, today, uh, if you're watching online, you just reach out to us. Reach out to someone here in the body, and um, we'd love to pray with you. And uh, Trinity, would you pray us off, brother? Um, pray us out of here. I, I hate closing out a, a service. This is not a closing of our walk with the Lord. This is a, this is a, hey, this is go now. Go now. So I'd love for you to pray us out of here. Um, how many of you have heard the quote, uh, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary use words you heard that one (laughs) throw that one in the trash I think it came from a good heart um, but I want to read a passage here real quick it's Romans 10 it says um, let's see For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how and how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So as we go out of here today, we're sent ones leaving this place. We are missionaries to this community and our lives speak louder than our words. That's true. But man, if we're not preaching to them, our good deeds, our love isn't going to win them. We have to preach the gospel. So Lord, as we leave this building today, God, we ask for a fire in our hearts to spread your good news. King Jesus. Lord, endue us with power from on high. Lord, to, not just to live holy lives. Yes, we want to do that, of course, Lord. We set ourselves apart. But Lord, 
we want to speak your word as well. We want to share your good news with those around us in our workplaces, in the marketplace, in the grocery store. Lord, give us the words to speak. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.